0: Inside the convocation center from the max center so glad to have inside the convocation center today. welcome inside the convocation center <laughs> All right, back into the podcast. After a week off, Adam Jackson, Joel Gadek, glad to have you along with us. While we were gone, college football has not started, at least for the Mac or the Big Ten, maybe. uh, Certainly not for the Pac-12, but it has for a lot of other people, unless you're one of the 33 that's in quarantine for Georgia Southern. It was an interesting week of college football. Uh, We'll talk some basketball, though, on this episode. And uh, we'll talk what could have been in the Mid-American Conference team by team, starting with Central Michigan and Ball State, because, of course, that's who we know best. My name is Joel Gaudet. That's Adam Jackson. Uh Adam, I-, I see the Lions had it in the red zone with a couple seconds left. I turned it off. I just assumed they won. hmm
1: I'm kind of I'm kind of feeling like maybe DeAndre Swift wasn't the right pick in the second round this year for the Lions. Not happy with his first uh, first game performance there.
0: I didn't see the rest of it. How How did it go?
1: Oh, you're gonna make me break this down for you.
0: I, listen, it's part of being a fan. You have to relive the 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 success and the pain. And right now, that's mostly pain in your lifetime.
1: Eleven seconds to go. Dime of a pass from Stafford. Swift is open. Going to score. Hits him right in the numbers. Drops the football and they lose. That's Just bad, right? Sol, yeah. same old line every single year.
0: There are uh, there are sixty nine former Mid American Conference players in the NFL this uh, this season because of course there are uh, couldn't Next. Be, yeah, couldn't be seventy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are sixty nine former players in the NFL from the Mid American Conference. Some of them are um, on practice squads. The MAC also lists. And I don't know if all these things should go together, but injured reserve, the physically unable to perform list, or they just opted out. Uh, There are some guys that fall under that category as well. Which of them, I'm not sure, Uh, but there are some guys that fall under that. Sean Murphy Bunting played really well. Adam, when did he become Sean Murphy Bunting? I always remember him as Sean Bunting.
1: Yeah, he was Sean Bunting at Central Michigan. I believe it was last year. Basically, when he got to the NFL, he made the change to go with uh, to go with Murphy Bunting. Who so, is Murphy? I believe that is his mom's. Uh, don't quote me on this. I'm sorry, I don't have better information here. <laughs> but this is I haven't done is, a de- I haven't done a deep dive on his family history. That's here, your but what believe- you, that's your guy. You you work at the school. You know what, Joel, he left the school and then changed the name. When he was at CMU, he was just bunting. Now it's Murphy bunting, and now you're making me look bad as a Chippewa. <laughs> so thank you for springing that on me. <laughs> okay, but seriously, though, I think it's his mom's name is the reason he's got Murphy bunting. I believe that's why I made the change. Okay,
0: well, that makes sense. Um, Minnesota Vikings got uh, – got- got beat by Green Bay rumors of Aaron Rodgers demise, greatly exaggerated. Uh, Tyler Conklin did not have any statistics. Tajay Sharp had a ball thrown his way. Uh, he didn't make the catch. Julian Edelman, his new England Patriots won. Uh, that's your rundown of the Mid American Conference in the NFL. I'm assuming Max Crosby played well for the Raiders, but I'm not looking. Uh, Sam Sloman has he's, made he's his great.
1: first. <laughs> he's, he's made his first career field goal for the Rams. They're currently playing on Sunday Night Football, but uh, he's on the board with an extra point field goal.
0: He's chafing you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ah, you know, Sam Sloman broke all of our Chippewa hearts last December in the MAC championship game. So good to see that uh, he's now being coached by the former Chippewa head coach, John Bonamigo in Los Angeles.
0: That's the greatest twist of all of it. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. The guy he beat for a MAC championship is now his coach in the NFL. You know what, though? Good for Sam Sloman. Like, of all the guys to become an impact performer in the NFL out of the Mid-American Conference this year... You know, kickers are people too, man. Way to go. I mean there there are 30 of those how many teams are in the NFL? 30 or 32? I forget from league to 32, league. 32, I believe. Thank you. Um, there's 32 of those jobs in the in the world and the guy's got one of them. So, tip of the cap.
1: Well, and I believe Joel he was only one of what? How many? Two Mac players that were drafted this year. Yeah, Dave Pinter
0: NFL? was the other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's right. The offensive lineman that decided to score a touchdown against, again, my Chippewas. Thanks, Joel. I
0: was really excited. I turned on the television and uh, Danny Pinter is 63 for the Indianapolis Colts. And I turn on the Colts game and all I hear is the referee go, 63 has reported as eligible. And I went, oh, my God, it's happening again. Uh, (laughs) And then they just ran the ball. But I I got very excited for a moment that Danny Pinter was about to have a catch on his first NFL uh, game day.
1: Yeah, not good memories that I want to relive. Although I do like the final score outcome of, of that game. He scored a touchdown in last fall.
0: Fat guy touchdowns. Um, fat guy triples. I played uh, I played rec league softball today, and, and our catcher had a couple triples, so that was cool.
1: What is what is Joel Gadet like out on the on the field? What's the breakdown? What's the scouting report? Uh, rec league. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty calm.
0: I just kind of go up there having a good time. Uh, I, I i led off today with a triple into the gap, and uh, my team knows that I'm fast, so they always tell me to go home, so I got thrown out by about twenty feet today. Um, if I played in this in the summer Jewish League, I'd take that one more seriously <laughs> uh, I, I probably depends on the league <laughs> I probably would have stopped at third because I really want to win those uh, today i I didn't care Wow, yeah.
1: Broadcaster and an all-star rec league player as well.
0: That's true. I have played in the uh, in the international slow pitch Jewish softball championships. So,
1: folks, he does it all.
0: It's a thing. All right, let's dive into basketball in the Mid-American Conference there. How in the (laughs)
1: world do you transition from
0: that? (laughs) That is how, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's talk about three players in particular. Michael Flowers, uh, Adam Jackson, made some headlines this week. The former Western Michigan player posted the following on the Twitter. Uh, I will read it to you if you have not seen it or if you have, and then we will break it all down. Uh, He is now a current University of South Alabama Jaguar, by the way. Uh, Sit one, play one. In March, Flowers wrote, I decided to put my name in the transfer portal after my head coach, Steve Hawkins, was released from Western Michigan. Uh, Coach Hawk was the one who recruited me to Western and helped me get through the passing of my mother my freshman year. While still in the transfer portal, and I want to highlight that phrasing, while still in the transfer portal, Western decided to give my scholarship away. I'd like to highlight that part of the statement before I made my decision. I'd like to highlight that part of the statement and never officially informed me before doing so. At that point, I had no choice but to look elsewhere for my senior year. When schools first began to reach out, they requested communication from Western's athletic department and compliance from the beginning. Communication has been inconsistent and unprofessional on Western's end causing Certain schools to be forced to move on. I then committed to the University of South Alabama this May, and bad communication and lies have continued, which has caused my waiver for immediate eligibility to be denied. There's more to follow after that, but you get the general gist there. Western put out a statement in response, including one from the athletic director, Kathy Beauregard, alleging, uh, actually pretty much straight up saying, that uh, there was illegal recruiting that went on. Quote, we had illegal recruiting going on over the last three weeks to our student athletes. And I will also come out and tell you that the expectation of us not having Michael and Brandon Johnson, who's at Minnesota, were very real anyway. That's from the Western Herald. Um, So that was Kathy Beauregard's response, at least part of it, to all of this. Adam Jackson, what was your initial response in seeing the Michael Flowers story unfold this week?
1: Yeah, Joe, before I give you mine, did you also see that Western officially posted a statement about it too on their basketball account on Twitter? I did. Yeah, So, and they're basically claiming the opposite of what he claimed. So Michael Flowers claimed that they didn't have a spot for him, forced him out kind of, so he decided to look elsewhere. And Western Michigan was saying that – now current head coach Clayton Bates and his staff maintain communication and they had a spot for Michael if he wanted it. So it's it's one of those things like recruiting is just so tricky right now. And we know it's not clear black and white. There's some shady stuff that goes on behind the scenes. We've talked about it with past guests that we've had on, whether it's football or basketball. There's <laughs> Lin- other t- Lance Lightball just said it. He <laughs> was like yeah. you're recruiting he came my right guys. out and said it. Yeah. Exactly. So it happens. And I don't really know who to believe here. I mean, Michael Flowers comes out, makes the statement. He feels that Western Michigan didn't treat him correctly. And Western Michigan, I mean, Joe, Michael Flowers is Western Michigan's best player. They've struggled yeah. over the last couple of years. But Flowers, to me, just watching him, one of my favorite players to watch because he's a creator. He can knock down shots. But he was Western Michigan's most consistent player the last couple of years. So it's kind of hard for me to believe, and I'm not going to take a side because I, I don't really know what's true here, but hard for me to believe that Western Michigan, if he wanted to be on their team, wouldn't say, hey, come on back. You're our best guy. You're a producer. Offensively, we would love to have you back on the team in 2020. But something's not lining up because both the university and Michael Flowers are saying two different things.
0: There's a couple things that I think could be happening here. Uh, One of them, you know, there's got to be a reason for him to get a waiver for an an immediate eligibility waiver for Michael Flowers. And I don't know what his case was at the University of South Alabama. Uh, We did reach out to Michael Flowers. Um, He has not, I think, read your message yet, Adam. Um, But I just wanted to put that out there. I slid Um, into his IG DMs, and he (laughs) did not get back to me. Tough break for you, Jackson. That's my life, man. Yeah. Um, but so the thing is, like, there needs to be a reason for an immediate eligibility to be granted. And what happens a lot nowadays in college basketball is one school will say, uh, there wasn't room for him on our team anymore. Basically he was run off the NCAA. Basically that's kind of the gist of it. Grants the immediate, immediate eligibility for you. Um, if that's what's happening here, like there's no way, like zero, like there's no way that Western doesn't have room for Michael Flowers. So if that's the case right. that he wants to make, get out of here, um, because no, nobody is saying we ran off our best player,
1: right? especially with how they've struggled. Like he was such an important right. piece to their team, right? Now,
0: where I think the confusion maybe comes in in that piece is like Michael Flowers is saying, I should be granted immediate eligibility. And this is what Jay Billis is saying here because Jay Billis tweeted about this as well. And I take issue with the way that Billis phrases this because Billis said, Michael Flowers is being mistreated by Western Michigan, revisionist history and flat out falsehoods. It's simple, just be honest. Flowers had no scholarship to return to. The NCAA should rule him immediately eligible at South Alabama. Michael Flowers transferred. Um, The fact that your previous institution gives away your scholarship doesn't absolve you of having to sit out at your next institution. And that's why I highlighted the phrases in Flowers' notice on Twitter. Because Michael Flowers says, while still in the transfer portal, Western decided to give my scholarship away. It's not your scholarship. You're in the transfer portal. You're not on the team anymore. Like, if you want to be on the Western Michigan team, then be on the Western Michigan team. It's your scholarship. The second you are in the transfer portal, you're not on the team. You're not all in. In fact, you're all out. You're saying to your program, this is cool, but I want to see where else I can play. It's no longer your scholarship. They do not have to inform you before offering it and giving it to another player. You have moved on into the transfer portal. They are allowed to move on as well. So for Michael Flowers saying, there was, n- I-, I couldn't have gone back to Western Michigan, there was no scholarship. There was a scholarship. If you would have said, I want to come back to Western Michigan at the right time, perfect but you didn't do it in time you left and they recruited because they have to move on they have to have a roster they have to have good players at that point in time there's not a spot left for you at Western Michigan that doesn't grant you immediate eligibility like he's doing it backwards if you're run off the roster and have nowhere to go back to. Then you get then, then like sure. Then give him the immediate eligibility. He had nowhere else to go. You don't well, get, if- you don't get to leave, then not have a place to go back to and get immediate eligibility. That's not how this. That's not how any of this works.
1: Yeah, and that's the tough part. Is like most guys that go into the transfer portal or uh, you know whatever the sport is. 90 percent of the time they're gone, like they're not going back to the school. So I'm assuming from Western Michigan standpoint, they see that Michael Flowers is in the transfer portal. They're probably expecting him to go a separate way and, and pick another school. Uh, really, only one of the unique cases where we've seen someone enter the transfer portal and then stay at their school, ironically enough, was in the Mid-American Conference with Justin Turner. Twice, Ishmael, but- Ishmael Alameen came back to Ball State. Okay, so but it's it's been rare. Like if someone has announced or it's been announced that they're in the transfer portal, a lot of the times they end up at a different school. And I'm curious, again, just one of these one of these sides is not matching up just with these two statements. I wonder if Michael Flowers Joel went into the transfer portal and was expecting to get some bigger schools mm-hmm. to give him interest. And I mean, look at he's ended up potentially trying to play at South Alabama. And I think he was a guy and respect his caliber of play. He was a great player in the mid-American conference, but I think he was expecting some power five attention. And then maybe after he didn't get it, he said, okay, I might as well just go back to Western Michigan. And at that time they had probably said, Nope, we've already given your scholarship up. And that may be where the disconnect is. Well,
0: and here's the thing. And, and again, we don't like, this is all us making assumptions here because we, we I, I can only go by what's on the public record. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, wh- the Western Herald article, I'll go back to Kathy Beauregard's statement, the athletic director at Western Michigan. This is her quote. Quote, we had active illegal recruiting going on over the last three weeks to our student athletes, and I will also come out and tell you that the expectation of us not having Michael Flowers and Brandon Johnson were very real anyway, whether it was with Coach Hawkins or with Coach Clayton Bates. Um, we want the best for them. I mean, we truly do. They need to know that once they enter the transfer portal, your current institution doesn't have to bring you back and doesn't have any accountability for you anymore. The thing that stands out to me is that we have active illegal recruiting going on. So my inference, and again, this is just a guess, if you you then put that side-by-side with Flowers' statement, Flowers says... When schools first began to reach out to me, they requested communication from Western's Athletic Department in compliance. From the beginning, communication has been inconsistent and unprofessional. And, like, my brain immediately starts to think, did Western have an issue with some of the contact they were getting from other schools because they believed that something uncouth was happening? So, basically... If, if you're an inst- if you're Institution A, and you think your player is being poached by Institution B, Institution A necessarily isn't going to be so inclined... Yeah, they don't want to cooperate. Right, to make it easy for Institution B to just get that player immediately active, because Institution A has been wronged. Um, right. Now, is that in the best interest of the player? No. But is everything else above board? Not necessarily. And again... I don't know what's happened here. I'm just trying to kind of fit puzzle pieces together based on what is on the public record with the statements made by both sides.
1: Yeah, sir. And it's tough. We're kind of speculating here based on what information we have, but certainly there was disconnects. Michael flowers is unhappy. Western Michigan is certainly unhappy. And, uh, either way, hopefully he gets the opportunity to play and, and gets the chance. If it is South Alabama, uh, South Alabama, that, uh, he can sit up there and, and play some college basketball, hopefully, as we have a season here yeah. in twenty.
0: And again, the rule is this. If you transfer, you have to sit out a year. Like, that's the rule. And, I, like, that, that's the rule. Unless you've got a reason, that's the rule. Uh, so, I, I don't, everybody's, I, people are up in arms that Michael Flowers is having to follow the rule. Like, unless he can come out and say, this is my exception, I don't know how you turn public opinion here. Um, And he doesn't have to turn public opinion. He just has to get the NCAA to rule in his favor. Um, But I'd love to know what the argument was. Like, I feel like there's, I I would love to know what more there is to it. Uh, I'd love to talk to Michael Flowers if we could get him, because I would love to hear kind of his pitch, because like, I'm open-minded to like, what why he thinks he should be able to play right at South Alabama right away is. He might have a great reason that absolves all of this. But um I, I think it's an interestingly complicated story as it's played out. That one is behind us. Uh more basketball news this week. Uh Nike Sabandi is still waiting for immediate eligibility at Pittsburgh. Uh Jackson, I didn't realize Nike Sabandi had transferred. Is, is that bad on me? You're literally you're doing your off season homework, aren't you, Joel? <laughs> He left Miami. Uh, that's a bad hit for Jack Owens. Uh, but again, similar situation. Like you have to have the reason to transfer. Um a lot of people have gotten COVID waivers, which, you know, fine makes sense. Um you know, Nike's not moving much closer to family by going to Pittsburgh, but uh in fact he's moving further away. Uh I'll be curious to see how that one plays out.
1: Yeah, because it seems like there's more and more excuses that are being deemed valuable reasons by the NCA for whether again, football or basketball, these guys are transferring and they're magically eligible to play right away. Just so let them transfer one time. You know what? I I'm I'm let, let's just do Right, it. and I'm I'm totally okay with that too. It's the same thing as a coach taking a new job, I'm all for it. One time. Let them do it one time. Uh, one other school
0: made basketball headlines this week, and that is Buffalo. And this one is a little bit, uh, a little bit, a lot more of a serious topic. Um, UB men's basketball player accused of stabbing Canisius basketball player during a pickup game from WGRZ in Buffalo, North Tonawanda Police. That is a Buffalo suburb. Say Malik Zachary has been arrested. He's charged with second degree assault and fourth degree criminal possession of a weapon. North Tonawanda Police said Friday afternoon they arrested Malik uh, Malik Zachary. Uh, The incident happened when a – it was a pickup game. Sources tell two on your sides. Adam Benini, the pickup game happened Wednesday night when tensions rose between the two players during the game and resulted in the incident when a player was uh, apparently stabbed. Uh, yay, if you're Buffalo.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just – I mean, man. That's an intense pickup basketball game, but uh, I, I don't, that's just no basketball game should ever get in that, that intense. That's, that's tough news in the off season, you know, as if we need any other news with everything we got going on. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't like what
1: has to happen in a pickup game for you to stab somebody. <sighs> nothing, nothing should ever escalate to that.
0: I, Malik Zachary's father was quoted in another story, by the way, that saying that somebody got poked with a knife.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I that, that just uh, that,
0: that, <laughs> that can't I, happen. <laughs> that's that's a description. Poked with a knife, and 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 and, and again, uh, innocent until uh, proven guilty. Um, and I who knows how this all happened. Uh, Malik Zachary's father said that it was kind of a melee that stuff broke out. Malik Zachary was being attacked, um, and that somebody got poked with a knife. Um, it's just an interesting description of it
1: all, but uh... I mean, yeah, Joel, you, you covered it there. It's just uh, it's it's not good for the league. It's not good for Buffalo, and, and it's certainly not good for for the young man. But uh, you know, uh, it it happens, and you just try and move on. I sound like a coach right now, trying to <laughs> trying to talk through this. But it, it's just again with everything that's gone on this year, it's been a tough year, and to see more negativity surround some of these teams in the off season, as you're getting prepared for hopefully a basketball season and hopefully for the competition to start again. You hate to see something like that happen.
0: All right, let's go to football. Adam Jackson, Uh, with no Mid-American conference football, we decided we would talk about Mid-American conference football with what could have been. We're going to go team by team through the league this year. And as other Leagues are going about their seasons. Talk about what could have been for Mid American Conference teams this season. Jaxa, you will go first because your team okay. is the defending Mac West champion. Uh, what could have been? Give me your take on what 2020 may have looked like for CMU. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the Chippewa fans were really excited again for Central Michigan because they had so many guys coming back. You know, it was such an unknown year last year. Uh, John Bonamigos last year doesn't go the way that he wants. They finish with a one and eleven record, and then you bring in a, a, a big time game like Jim McElwain, and it certainly paid dividends. They win eight games in the first year, and they get to the MAC championship game for the for the first time since Antonio Brown and. Uh, Butch Jones were here in 2009, so Boomin. it had been. What's that? Booming. Booming. Business was booming in 09 and it was booming again last year. Unfortunately, couldn't finish the job. But I think uh, I think it was going to be an exciting year, and hopefully, they get the chance to play in the spring with the rest of the conference because they bring a lot back. What's interesting was the quarterback situation. David Moore was expected to have to sit out until October because it's a full year suspension. Uh, When he was uh, tested, he tested positive for a banned substance. The The NCAA denied his suspension appeal. So he had to sit out a full year. Well, that suspension now is up in October. So if there's a spring season, he'll be able to go the full year. So As we sit here and we wish that there was football, you take one positive out of that. David Moore would be able to start and play the full season if there is a spring season. Uh, You lose Tony Poljan, who obviously was expected to be a big piece at the tight end position as he transfers to Virginia. But you bring back your quarterback. You bring back the leading wide receiver in the Mid-American Conference. You bring back a 1,000-yard rusher on offense. And then you bring back at least eight starters defensively on a unit that was one of the best in terms of total defense in the conference last year. So I think there was a lot of optimism coming into the fall in year two and thinking what CMU did last year, knowing that they had a chance to potentially repeat as MAC West division champs again and maybe finish off the MAC championship overall.
0: Whatever happened with David Moore? Like, what was
1: the how how did he? What was the deal with what he took and how it all happened? Basically what the coaching staff and administration said was he took a over-the-counter drug that they didn't think was a banned substance. And there's a list. Was, yeah. Like you so can, what they you can check what that. They said, what they said was they either missed it or they didn't think about it. I'm not sure. They weren't very clear with, with what went on. That was that was what they mentioned that they thought that there was an over-the-counter drug that they had missed that he took. And because of that, they tried to appeal it. They didn't win the appeal. So it was upheld for the entire year. Gotcha. Would he be the quarterback? I think so. I mean, you know, there's a ton of guys that have come in. There's a few transfers, uh, one in particular, uh, that may potentially have a chance to, to step in. There's also some guys that have come back from the roster, but just knowing the production that he had last year, he threw for over 1,100 yards, five touchdowns, did have four interceptions, but he looked comfortable in the few games that he started. Uh, he's got some mobility to him. He's got some familiarity, obviously, with the wide receivers. I certainly think he would be the starter, but to be honest, you know, Joel, I, I, haven't seen any of these transfers or what some of these guys that were on the roster last year, what their improvements look like coming into to 2020. What do,
0: you, what do you mean some of these transfers? What are you just collecting quarterbacks? Like what?
1: Yeah. Well, that, that kind of <laughs> was the case last year. We, we collected a couple of transfers and, and they were the starters throughout the year. And then in the off season, we've collected a couple of more. So, you know, Jim McElwain, he's a, he's a former quarterback himself. He's an offensive guy. So Who's, uh, who, been... who, who'd you guys get? Ty Brock. is a guy that came in FCS. Um, he's the, he's the main contributor that I would think would have a chance. That's he a put up name. some decent numbers down in Texas at the FCS level. And, um, a couple other guys that were brought in on the recruiting trail, but I would imagine if,
0: Oh, Ty uh, Brock has some great hair.
1: Yes. Also. Yes, exactly. If you've got great hair, you're going to succeed in the mid American conference or freshman,
0: freshman, all American too. Yeah. And he's got some years. He's not a, he's not a one trick pony. Is he, he's got a couple, couple years under him that he can play. So.
1: He would, be, he would be my best bet to challenge David Moore. Um, but again, just because David's been here, he had success last year, he knows the offense, and because it's been such a weird year where he's maybe been on campus, he, he's going through whatever the 12 hours per week or whatever they're getting from the NCA right now, it's just not that normal offseason uh, because of COVID. I would imagine David Moore is just further along. Although maybe
0: it gives him more of a chance to compete.
1: Yeah, it's certainly
0: he'll be ingrained and in he gets a spring, so to speak, that he wouldn't have had exactly
1: more time now with the season happening in the spring. Absolutely. And and I think, uh, you know, with with any team, you'd like to have two, three guys that you feel are capable to go out there, especially with how many times they went back and forth with their starting quarterbacks last year. Um, good to have a couple of guys that that can run the offense just in case of injuries or in David Bohr's case, uh, a positive test for a banned substance that get you a year suspension
0: (laughs) that happens less likely than most um sam houston state where ty brock was you know who (laughs) you know who the defensive line coach is at sam houston state i do not tim doust former ball state defensive coordinator tim doust is now the well. there you go and and western michigan uh defensive coordinator tim doust Where's our guy Pete Lembo at these days? He is the special teams coach at Memphis who is not playing this week because of Corona.
1: Ah, yes. Very unfortunate.
0: I'm just waiting for Auburn and Alabama to play and like one of those two teams to have an outbreak where they're missing 30 players and then their fan base complains that it's not a real representation and the game shouldn't count.
1: Was it Georgia Southern or who is the... Yeah, Yeah,
0: 33 players were out.
1: Yeah, yeah. It still counts. It's
0: what you signed up for. Remember, I told you
1: these contingency schedules so you can reschedule and bring in different opponents. Uh, It's, it's going to be a weird year. What else,
0: what else do people need to know about central?
1: I I think the biggest thing is, is just what they're returning. And uh, I I don't even know what to go off in terms of schedule, Joel. Like, do you think you look at your (laughs) eight conference game that you were going to play and that's going to be the schedule? Like, I I don't know Ah. what the schedule looks like (laughs) in the spring. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Because <laughs> we, we can't even do like, hey, let's take a peek at the schedule and, and where the games are at, where they're not. Now, I'm assuming they would try and stick close to where the games were supposed to be and what ones are supposed to be on the road and home. But then sure will there be fans that will be allowed by then? Maybe. I don't know what it would look like. So how much of a home advantage is it? But I, I think the biggest thing with Central Michigan, I talked about the returners offensively and defensively. The one area that they struggled in last year was pass defense. Um, and they've got a couple of guys with transfers that have come in um, throughout the secondary. So they're really excited about the secondary. Now, one guy, Sean Murphy, Bunting. Uh, Sean Murphy, Bunting, yes, is, is not eligible to play at CMU. You know, he's moved mm. on to the NFL. Um, but uh, I think with transfers, the defensive staff seems excited about the opportunity for that position group and that part of the defense to be bulked up and better this year, assuming we can play some spring football.
0: All right. Keep an eye on it. Uh, Give me a win projection, eight game schedule. How many wins? Mm.
1: I think six or seven, you know, I don't, I don't think they're, I think the max competitive enough where it, it's going to be really tough to go unblemished, especially in a weird year where you're fighting through COVID cases, you're going to have, I'm, I'm sure players that may have to sit out. Um, so I, 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 don't think it's easy for them to, for any team to go perfect, especially in a spring season, that's just going to look different. But I really do feel like, you know, if we have a spring season, if it's an eight game slate against conference teams, CMU's got a really good chance to represent the West and potentially get back to the MAC championship game. Here's a good transition lead-in. I think the biggest challenger to CMU getting to that championship game on the West side is your Ball State Cardinals, Joel. Yeah,
0: because I think the Ball State Cardinals are conservatively a six-win team in an eight-game schedule. Yeah. Conservatively. Yeah. and that's you. You might look at me cockeyed because this is a team that went five and seven last year, four and four in conference. However, Adam Jackson, Buffalo in 2017 was the best comparison I could find. The Buffalo Bulls went four and four, and in 2018 were seven and one in the East Division. They made that kind of a jump, and I think that's what you're going to see because the Buffalo Bulls in 2017. They went uh, six and six was their record overall. They were four and four in conference with three losses by three points to Western Michigan in seven overtimes. Um, they lost by one to Northern Illinois and they lost by one to Akron. That is five points that kept the team from being seven and one and instead had them being four and four. And they returned the next season with. Virtually everything, including Tyree Jackson, who would go on to be the player of the year and Anthony Johnson, who would go on to be an NFL wide receiver. So I know you're thinking to yourself, self, uh, how's Ball State going to make such a similar jump? Uh, The answer is quite simple. Ball State returns nine players on offense starters, eight starters on defense. It returns the number one quarterback in the Mid-American Conference. Uh, Take that, uh, Mr. Crum. Uh, But he's number one by yards, touchdowns, second by completion percentage. Uh, They return the second best running back in Caleb Huntley. They return the number two receiver in the Mid-American Conference in terms of receptions in Justin Hall four of the team's top five receivers. They return 12 of their top 15 tacklers. They lose a captain at middle linebacker. They also return a captain at middle linebacker who missed last year because of injury, Brandon Martin. And they have the two top cornerbacks in the league in Antonio Phillips and A.J. Uzidinba. So you roll all that together and then consider the fact, remember Buffalo lost those three games by five points. Ball State last year lost three games down the stretch by eight. Eight points, 41-38 at Kent, 45-44 to Central, 35-31 to Western Michigan. They had the lead in all of those games, or were tied, the lead or were tied, with a minute and six seconds to play, a minute and two seconds to play, and 20 seconds to play. That is two minutes and 28 seconds away from not being 4-4, four and four, but instead being 7-1 and one a year ago, I think the Ball State Cardinals make that jump with a veteran lineup similar to Buffalo seventeen to eighteen. You'll see that with Ball State nineteen to twenty one. The Ball State Cardinals, your Mid American Conference West Division champions.
1: What was the game where they led with a minute and two seconds left? That
0: was that was Central Michigan.
1: Oh, and what happened how big was the lead? Was it 17, it, 20 it points? It was, it, was, was?
0: it was like thirty, so I don't know. It was a lot.
1: Uh, where was that game at? Was that one at Schumann?
0: It was it was a, it was it was on a field.
1: It was at Schumann Stadium forty five forty four, baby. Hey. I'm not hey, gonna, I'm, I, I'm not, not gonna a, argue not gonna, with you. <laughs> great game. I, and Joel, I'm I'm right there with you. Like I have looked at some of you know, some of the preview magazines and I know we were getting ready to roll out uh, what the media had thought and I, I was honestly really surprised for how much love Toledo got it always in terms it. of Jackson, we'll uh, wind
0: things up with the <laughs> with the weird news of the week. You ready for this? My favorite
1: part of the podcast. (laughs) Honest to God, I love this part of the pod.
0: Uh, Oh, wait, hang on. I lost the story. Uh, (laughs) This is from Colombo, Sri Lanka. A cat detained at Sri Lanka's main prison while allegedly trying to smuggle drugs and cell phone SIM cards has escaped, the media reports said on Monday i'm sorry what <laughs> the fe- i'm sorry the feline was detected by jail intelligence officers on saturday at the high security walikata prison he said nearly two grams of heroin and two sim cards and a memory chip were found in a small plastic bag tied around the cat's neck but it escaped on Sunday, hopefully without the drugs, from a prison room where it was kept. There was no immediate comment from prison authorities. The prison reported an increase in incidence of people throwing small packets of drugs, cell phones, and phone charges over the walls in recent weeks. I don't know if they've been throwing cats over the walls. Um, Sri Lanka is battling a major drug problem that does not, however, uh, deal with the fact that this cat figured it out, man. I'm telling you. I'm a dog person. Because cats, they might be cute, but they're always looking at you trying to figure out a way to kill you.
1: Yeah, dogs wouldn't be smart enough to know how to relay the message. Respect it <laughs> that it's cat. Cat messengers in twenty twenty. <laughs> this year has literally had it all.
0: Drug smuggling cat escapes from jail.
1: Sri Lanka, man. Wow.
0: He's the El Chapo of cats. Uh I don't know. Uh, One more for you. This is from Tokyo. The coronavirus pandemic may have left restaurants empty, but one establishment is relying on some model customers to enforce social distancing. They're putting real-life mannequins (laughs) in certain seats to keep diners from getting too close. Masato Takamini, uh, I believe, Chinese restaurant, uh, is using 16 mannequins placed at random tables Honestly, the picture is creepy as all hell. It looks like some sort of horror movie. Um, one of them is a child. I, I, it's, and the thing is is that they sit at tables that you eat at. So, like, it's, it's a spatial thing. So, like, you could eat across from a fake mannequin.
1: Let me defend this, Joel. For anybody that's insecure about going to a restaurant <laughs> by that's,
0: themselves. That's how Adam Jackson gets his dates.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know you no longer have to feel insecure because you at least be sitting with a mannequin maybe as you eat your meal.
0: So there you go. Adam, I saw you at Masato Tsukaminis
1: with a uh, with a woman. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, w- yes, exactly. She may not have been alive live <laughs> uh, woman, but uh yes, exactly. That was the case.
0: Uh I mean, that's basically what we're doing for sports right now.
1: Mac football, please come back. Mac basketball, Mac basketball please happen. Otherwise, and Joel will continue to come up with these uh, amazing worldly stories because we make this <laughs> podcast global.
0: Listen, we've got mannequins at a Chinese restaurant in Japan and drug smuggling cats on the loose. Uh, what can be better? We've covered
1: all ends of the spectrum on this podcast today, and I absolutely love it. Jackson, we're out of time.
0: <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> uh We'll we'll tackle some more teams next week and we'll see uh, we'll see. I don't know who. We'll we'll reach out to see who wants to come on this mess of a show. Uh, but it was a good time, Adam.
1: Yes, it indeed was. Looking forward to next week.
0: All right. Shouts to Michael Flower, shouts to Nike Sabandi, shouts to Khalil Pimpleton and the Central Michigan Chippewas, Caleb Huntley and the Ball State Cardinals. Until next week, this is Convo number five.
1: We're out.